And as you continue uh, looking at the life of Josiah, we will turn to Second Chronicles chapter 34. We'll read from verse 1 through verse 28. Last week we heard how when he was still young, he began to seek the Lord. And today we'll look further into the passage how he comes across the Word of God, the law of God. So let us read Second Chronicles chapter 34. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign... While he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. They broke down the altars of the Baals in his presence, and the incense altars which were above them he cut down, and the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images he broke in pieces and made dust of them, and scattered it on the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He also burned the bones of the priests on their altars, and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And so he did in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, as far as, as Naphtali, and all around with axes. And when he had broken down the altars and the wooden images, had beaten the carved images into powder, and cut down all the incense altars throughout all the land of Israel, he returned to Jerusalem. In the eighteenth year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the temple, he sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, Maaseah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Joahaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. When they came to Hilkiah, the high priest, they delivered the money that was brought into the house of God, which the Levites who kept the doors had gathered from the hand of Manasseh and Ephraim, from all the remnant of Israel, from all Judah and Benjamin, and which they had brought back to Jerusalem. Then they put it in the hand of the foreman, who had the oversight of the house of the Lord, and they gave it to the workmen who worked in the house of the Lord to repair and to re- restore the house. They gave it to the craftsmen and the builders to buy hewn stone and timber for beams and to floor the houses which the kings of Judah had destroyed. And the men did the work faithfully. Their overseers were Jehath and Obadiah, the Levites, of the sons of Merari, and Zechariah and Meshulam, of the sons of the Kohathites, to supervise. Others of the Levites, all of whom were skillful with instruments of music, were over the burden-bearers, and were overseers of all who did work in any kind of service. And some of the Levites were scribes, officers, and gatekeepers. Now when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. Then Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan. So Shaphan carried the book to the king, bringing the king word, saying, All that was committed to your servants they are doing. 
And they have gathered the money that was found in the house of the Lord, and have delivered it into the hand of the overseers and the workmen. Then Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Thus it happened, when the king heard the words of the law, that he tore his clothes. And then the king commanded Hilkiah, Ahikam the son of Shaphan, Abdon the son of Micah, Shaphan the scribe, and Aziah the servants of the king, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me, and for those who are left in Israel and Judah, concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in this book. So Hilkiah and those the king had appointed went to Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalem, the son of Tokath, the son of Hazra, keeper of the wardrobe. She dwelt in Jerusalem in the second quarter, and they spoke to her to that effect. And then she answered them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants. All the curses that are written in the book which they have read before the king of Judah, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath will be poured out on this place and not be quenched. But as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, in this manner you shall speak to him. Thus says the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which you have heard. Because your heart was tender, and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and against its inhabitants, and you humbled yourself before me, and you tore your clothes and wept before me, I also have heard you, says the Lord. Surely I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. And your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I will bring on this place and its inhabitants. So they brought back word to the king. This far, the reading of, the, of, of Scripture. And our focus today is specifically the section where the law was brought to Josiah, where he heard the word of God really for the first time in this way. So, dear congregation, when the Lord Jesus began to preach, he came saying, repent and believe, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. It's time to repent. And this is the message of the church ever since. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And here in this passage that we read, we see Shaphan the scribe coming with that scroll into the presence of the king. And as he, he opens that scroll and he reads that word to Josiah, Josiah, he, he rips his clothes, his royal garments. He repented when he heard the law of the Lord read. Because he knew that when he heard that, it said, it told him, if you do not keep all the commandments that are written in the book of the law to do them, 
you are cursed. All these curses will fall upon you. And he realized that he and the people had not kept the law of God. And so he, re- he responded and he went and he said, Go inquire of the Lord for me. What must we do? How can this curse be removed from us? How do we get from under this curse and this judgment? So we are also called to repent and believe. And we have more than Josiah had. Because we hear of the Lord Jesus Christ and of how He was nailed to that cross, how He came into this world to take that wrath of God, to take the place of cursed sinners and to remove that curse because He would pay for it with His own life and with His own blood. And so it is that before every Lord's Supper that we celebrate in this congregation and denomination, we have a week of preparation, a week of self-examination, a week where we examine ourselves before the Lord to see, do we know the Lord? Do we know what it is to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Do we know what it means to belong at the table of the Lord? And do we know what it means to come in a worthy manner, as Paul says? And in this pamphlet for the form for the administration of the Lord's Supper, which we'll read after the service, the part of it, the first requirement for self-examination says that we must carefully consider your sins, and the curse due to you for them. Josiah realized the curse that was due to them because of their sins. And it goes on to say that, so that you loathe and humble yourself before God, considering the wrath of God against sin is so great that rather than leaving it unpunished, he punished it in his own beloved son, Jesus Christ, with the bitter and shameful death on the cross. That's exactly what Josiah did. He did not know the Lord Jesus Christ. They did not know about him in the Old Testament. They had the promises of the Messiah, but they did not know that Christ would take the wrath of God and remove that curse. But Josiah saw this wrath and these curses on the land, and he needed to know how to be delivered from it. And in varying ways or varying degrees, This is something that every one of God's children discover. God shows how great the curse and wrath of God is against us because of our sins. But He also shows us how He can justly remove that from us because of His Son, Jesus Christ. And so the question is, can we relate in some way to Josiah? as we see him here this morning. And so our theme is the example of Josiah's repentance. The example of Josiah's repentance. Now, because of the length of this chapter, I will break it up into two sermons, first this morning and the second this afternoon. And this morning we'll see two lessons, and this afternoon we'll see three more on this same topic. And so first, this morning, we want to consider that repentance comes by hearing the Word of God. Repentance comes by hearing the Word of God. In verse 14, we can read 
how that after they had cleaned and repaired the temple, that Hilkiah the priest went into one of the storage rooms that was built onto it to retrieve the money. He wanted to pay the workers. And somewhere in that room, after all that cleaning, they discovered the scrolls, the book of the law of the Lord, it says, given by Moses. It's a very old scroll, very likely the one that Moses himself had written. So it had the Pentateuch on it, the first five books of the Bible. And Hilkiah takes this book and he takes it to Shaphan, the scribe who, who, was, who, who could read. And then Shaphan takes it to the palace. And you can see him coming there, it's this big old scroll, and the, the soldiers would let him into the palace and bring him to the king. And there stands Shaphan. In verse 16, he tells the king, King, everything is going well. The workers are busy. They're doing exactly what you commanded them to do. The temple is being repaired. It's been cleaned. They're being paid properly. But then he says, or before that, you can, you can, you can think of Josiah. When Shaphan comes and tells him that everything is being done, maybe Josiah thought to himself, well, this is going good. This is going well. I've purged a land of idols. I just came back from a, a long journey around the country and personally witnessed and personally saw all the idols broken down. And the temple is almost finished. The, the, the temple is being restored so the worship can be restored again. And maybe he thought to himself, well, God must certainly be pleased with us. Do you ever think that way? Things are going very well in our life. The Lord is blessing me so much. The Lord helped me today. I didn't sin to as much today as yesterday. I was able to keep it under control. or I, I know I've stopped this sin or at least have it under, under control. I threw out some of the old music that I used to listen to that I know is, is not good. I've taken more time in my devotions. And yes, these are all important things. But... Verse 18, Shaphan, he tells the king. If you look at verse 18, Shaphan, the scribe, told the king, saying, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And what did the king do when Shaphan read this scroll? Did he say, ah, now this confirms exactly what I've been doing, is exactly what God wants, and everything is well? No. Look at verse 19. Thus, it happened. When the king heard the words of the law that he tore his clothes, the king heard this law and he took his royal garments and he ripped them in pieces. Why? Because by the law is the knowledge of sin. Romans 3 says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped that all the world may become guilty before God. And therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And this shows us that repentance is not merely external reform. Repentance is not merely cleaning up our life. Repentance is not merely trying to keep the law better. Because Josiah, from a young age, began to seek the Lord. He purged the land of idols. 
when, uh, when he was 20 years old, and when he was 26, he began to, to rebuild his temple. Repentance is not just cleaning up our lives, but it goes deeper. There needs to be a knowledge of what sin is, of what it deserves, before we can properly repent of it. Josiah sought the Lord from his youth, and yet he did not realize what the law really said until now. And when he heard what the law said, he ripped his clothes as a sign of mourning. There's no congratulating himself here how good he was or how much progress he had made in these years. He was silenced because he had become guilty before God. Paul also speaks of this as a believer in Romans 7. When the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. He saw that sin was very much alive in his heart. And that law, it brings that judgment, it brings that condemnation. Have we ever become guilty before God? Where we have nothing left to say. Because we usually like to defend ourselves. Like our children, they're, they're so, good, so good at making excuses. And they argue why it couldn't possibly be their fault or why they're not wrong. And we do the same thing with God. The natural reaction is either to cover it up or to become angry when we hear it. We try to suppress it. Or we, or we push it off as not important. It's, it's forgiven anyway. But when we're truly convicted... By the law of God, we become silent. Silent in the sense that we have no defense. Nothing to argue in our defense. Guilty. Guilty before a holy God. And then we have to admit and we say to God, Yes, Lord, I am even more guilty than I realize myself. Because I cannot see how often and in how many ways I have sinned against your law. Because we hear God's word every day. And how do we really respond? Do we still think we have something to boast about? Can we listen to God's commands as we heard it this morning and and not even have it affect us? It seems to go in one ear and out the other. And maybe you said, yeah, 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 this again. And we push it off. Josiah here heard this law read for the first time. Either it was hidden by the kings who rejected God, or or it was hidden by the priests who didn't want the kings to, to destroy it, or for whatever reason, it was hidden in the corner of this temple for so many years, and now it came out. We have our word, the word in front of us every day. Even our children have like three copies in our, of the Bible. But how do we respond? But when that Holy Spirit brings that word from our ears to our heart, into the depths of the heart, then it's like we hear that law for the first time. And we heard it in a way that we've never heard it before. And then we get a shock like Josiah. Then we realize that God's word is addressing me. 
I have sinned against a holy God. I have broken His commandments. I deserve His just judgment. His wrath is against me. John 16 says that the Holy Spirit of God convicts us of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He convicts us of of what sin really is against God and His law. And He compares that to the perfect righteousness, the perfect requirement of God's law as we see it in Jesus Christ. And He shows us, He convicts us of the judgment that we deserve, eternal wrath and condemnation forever. That conviction comes through the law of God, and this is where repentance begins. But then secondly, repentance is being honest with our sin. Verse 19, Josiah, or verse 19, it says, Then it happened when the king heard the words of the law that he tore his clothes. He did not try to hide his sin. He did not try to talk his way out of it or or, or think that it wasn't as bad as it sounds. He did not say, Lord, I've served you from my youth. I've cleansed your temple. I've cleansed the land. Is that not enough? The Lord Jesus says in Matthew 7 that many will stand before him on that day and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done many wonders in your name? Did we not clean up our life because of you? Do we not worship you? Do we not serve you in the church? Do we not fight against the enemies, against the demons, against our sins? Do we not do great, many wonderful things in this world? But Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me. Because there was no true heartfelt repentance. There was a works It works righteousness of purging your life, maybe. There is an external cleansing. But repentance is not just an external reform of our life. Then there's no honesty in the depths of our hearts to say, look, there is sin within. But we'll only repent when we face our sin honestly. When you see your sin for what it is in the sight of God, when you see what God declares it to be, enmity against Him, separation from Him, you begin to see that it's not just a few idols that we have floating in our life, one or two things that need to get put away, but we have idols in our life because we are totally corrupt. And these idols are created out of our heart. Total depravity, they call it. Born dead in sin and trespasses, unable to do any spiritual good. Have we tasted that? Because then we realize that even our best works in this world fall short of the glory of God, fall short of the perfect requirement of God. And that's why our works or our cleansing of our life cannot contribute to our salvation. Josiah, he realized that even though he had purged the land, 
rebuilt the temple, it was not enough. Not enough to get rid of the root of sin. Not enough to get rid of the consequences of sin that hung over him and the land. It was not enough to get rid of the guilt of sin. It was not enough to get rid of the filth of sin. He realized he could not continue this way. And being honest with yourself means you run stuck. Have you ever run stuck? Come to a place that you cannot get out of yourself. No amount of purging can get you out. No amount of sacrifices can repair that broken worship of God in our hearts. Josiah reacts by tearing his clothes. That was a sign of mourning, especially in those days, a sign of grief. When God shows us our sin, it brings a godly sorrow of the heart, and it makes you cry out with the people in Acts 2, what must I do to be saved? Tearing the clothes over the heart was a sign of a broken heart. It opens up a wound. It it, it makes us see the festering corruption of the heart. It's like opening up a wound if you have in in your body, and it's like it would swell up and, and pus in the inside. It needs to be opened out so it can flush out. And it's being open and honest before God, and you, you want to bear your heart to God. You don't try to hide anything. You say, Lord, look into my heart. You can see my heart better than I can. What really lives there? I know you know it perfectly, and I need their help, thy help. Tearing his clothes is also an expression of shame especially for this king. You can see him there with his royal clothes sitting on his throne and his palace. But when he hears this, he takes those royal garments and he tears them. And now he is sitting in tattered clothes on the throne of the country. Shame. Sin brings shame. But you take that shame. It's your shame, my shame, We acknowledge it's our fault. We have done it. It's our guilt, our shame to bear. We can no longer put on a show. We can no longer put on these nice garments and act like nothing is wrong. But then we own our sin. We confess that we have left God. We have willingly left God. Because if we're not ashamed of our sin and we are still trying to maintain our innocence and somehow still trying to defend their action as acceptable in the sight of God. And But when we own our shame, then we're not hiding anything. We take it upon us. And that's because it's also a public confession of our guilt. The king tearing his clothes was a public sign of what was wrong acknowledging his guilt as the leader of this country and his own personal responsibility. We are responsible for our actions, for our sins. And when the Lord convicts us, we need to confess it, first of all to him, but also to others. Because there's often that burden that we need to unload we, we can't carry that all our life. 
We don't need to tell other people everything that's in our heart or the things we struggle with. We don't need to tell everyone, but it is helpful when we can go to a God-fearing person and share with them our needs, our cares, our burdens, our struggles, to help us, to let it out, and to ask for them to help us direct us in God's Word. And so repentance confesses both the sin and it acknowledges the judgment that we deserve. And we submit then to God's righteous judgment. It's a submission to God. David said in Psalm 51, I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. And then we hand ourselves over to the mercy of God. Deserve nothing and await his response. This is where we now, in the New Testament age, cast ourselves at the feet of the cross, cast ourselves at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, because we know this is where there is mercy to be found for the greatest of sinners. Josiah only had some signs. They had the, the, the temple worship which they had neglected, so he did not even see it happening. But we have the Word of God, which says the Lord Jesus Christ came for transgressors, that he laid down his life, that he was crucified and nailed to the cross for all those of his people. And this is where we can then come and say, Lord, I have nothing left. I plead on thy mercy for the sake of Jesus Christ. Now this now is where it's helpful for us to consider the six elements of genuine repentance. I've mentioned some of these as we've gone through the story, but Thomas Watson is an old Puritan. He listed six elements that are always uh, present in godly repentance. And then if we miss some of them, then a repentance is not uh, true, not thorough. And first of all, there's that sight of sin. The sight of sin. Josiah saw his sin through the Word of God. That knowledge of sin that is brought to our hearts. The spiritual sight of what sin is in the presence of God. And that leads, secondly, to the sorrow of sin, that, that, that godly sorrow because of our sin that was expressed when he ripped his garments and he wept before the Lord. And then there are thirdly, that confession of sin. We have to confess our sin to God for sure. And there's that shame of sin. We are ashamed because of our sin. You remember what Adam and Eve did when they sinned and they, they hid behind a bush. They covered themselves with leaves. Shame. Shame before each other. Shame before God. And then there's the hatred for sin. We begin to hate that sin because we see that this is what separates us from God. It's our sin that has caused us to be, that the relationship was broken between God and, his, and his, his creation. And then lastly, there's that turning from sin, and we'll look at those more this evening. But when we are truly convicted of our sin, we loathe ourselves. That's in that form as well. We begin to loathe ourselves because we are stained with sin. We hate sin. 
You begin to hate sin, and we hate the fact that we are so polluted with this sin. And so we hate, we loathe ourselves because we see that we are polluted with that sin we can't get rid of, we can't wash it away. That there, there's, that's that spot, that blemish that we can't get out. There's nothing that we can do ourselves. Some people in this world hate themselves because of something they see. They don't like their skin. They don't like the blemishes on their skin. They don't like their hair. And they sometimes hate themselves for it because they're not what the world says you should be or what they think they should be. But when we see our sin, that is what we hate the most. Are you honest with your sin? Or is your repentance only skin deep? Just the external. Because if it's only skin deep, it won't last. The judgment. When everything will be burned up in fire, what is left? The heart, the soul. That is where repentance must be. Are you honest with your sin? Josiah served the Lord from his youth, but when he heard this law read, the Lord used it to convict him even more. He realized immediately he had not kept the law. Galatians 3 says, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all the things that are written in the book of the law to do them. That is what Josiah heard. Have you heard that as well? And as we are born into this world, dead in sin and trespasses, under the wrath and judgment of God, how will you escape? There might be those sitting here who have heard this law various times in your life. Or those who feel your guilt, the condemnation, and you confess, yes, I have transgressed. I know that I cannot make myself sinless. I cannot get rid of my guilt. And it's not only those obvious sins, those big sins, maybe like adultery or lying or murder or an abortion, but especially those more subtle sins, those, those unresolved sins of anger, of hatred, that festering hatred against others or the slander that comes out so easily, the backbiting or causing divisions, gossiping, or those covetous looks or thoughts or some hidden lust. And you struggle with these. And you hate the sin in your heart. You're ashamed of it. And every time you hear that law of God, it pounds in your ear and you say, yes, Lord, I know. This is how I am. And it weighs, it adds to your condemnation. It makes your guilt feel heavier and unbearable. And this is where the honesty of true repentance doesn't hide, but it confesses, I need a Savior. I need a Savior. Go inquire of the Lord for me. Because this curse hangs over. True repentance is not only the fear, a fear of God and His judgment, but it goes deeper. Repentance always goes together with faith. And so there's a seeking, 
a seeking of God for a way out. The realization that cleaning up our life is not sufficient drives us to seek that Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it looks for the mercy in God that He has promised through the Lord Jesus Christ until you come to that place where you can cast yourself on, on His mercy and where you say, Lord, this is where you say I can find relief This is where I can be delivered from this curse. This is where you said that the curse has been removed because Christ has bore it on the cross. And this is where you find God and the mercy that he promises. We'll hear more of that this afternoon. But Josiah said, go inquire of the Lord for me. Have you then ever gone and inquired of the Lord for your soul when you have been convicted of your sin? Have you sought the Lord in such a way that you have inquired after His mercy and not let Him go until He blessed you? Amen.